Oh, that was very sweet, very precious. Thank you, Lord. What a great time of worshiping him in song. Amen? Well, hey, I'm Derek Hartley. I hadn't introduced myself today. My name's Derek Hartley. If, um, if I haven't met you, um, let's, let's chat. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, I'm the associate pastor, the, the long-term, long title is Minister of Spiritual Development, but uh, that's what I do here, and it is my pleasure to be here and speaking to you and preaching this sermon um, uh, on behalf of Brother Fred. Brother Fred sends his greetings from Edisto Island, so he has been away and for some much-needed uh, vacation and, uh, and some recharging, so, but I think he's on his way back. Hey, um, I want to uh, let you know of a little bad news. It's not a little bad news. It's some bad news. Um, uh, the Burgers have been a part of this fa uh, church family for a long time. Their son, Bradley, uh, was suffering from cancer. And uh, early Saturday morning, he went to be with Jesus. So please be praying for the Burgers and their time of loss. And uh, he loved First Baptist Church. And uh, he, he, he knew his time was limited here. And he's, he's, he's made a request. So uh, we're in search of, of this item. And if you have this item, you can maybe help, let me know. But Bradley made a request. He said, when I'm lying in my casket, Bradley always wore a baseball cap. Always wore a baseball cap unless he was inside. And you could see it. The top of his head was white. Anytime he was outside, it was, he had a baseball cap on. He said, when I'm lying in my casket, I want a baseball cap that says First Baptist Church. So we're looking for one. If you, if you have one, if you know if someone has one, let us know. Okay. All right. So uh, be praying for the burgers. Um, I will also tell you tonight at, in our evening service, please come tonight, 6 o'clock, over in the big room. Tonight is uh, another one of our Tell Your Story services. You come prepared to tell your story. Your story, how you met Jesus, and then what and why that's relevant to a lost world. You come ready to tell that story. We're just going to go around. We have mics and, and just go around. And as the Holy Spirit leads us, we're just going to tell our stories. So you come and be a part of that. We'll have some music uh, ahead of time, and oh, oh, we'll take up an offering. It is a Baptist church, so got to do that. But we will have this wonderful time of sharing our stories. You come and be a part of that tonight, okay? Well, we have been in the middle of a sermon series uh, as we are as we are rekindling our vision, rekindling the Great Commission uh, of being the church God has called us to be in our community here in this beautiful Union County, right here in these beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains where God has called us to advance his kingdom. Uh, the, here's the truth. Here's the truth about that is that God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to do his work, to do his will. He wants us. He wants us to be in that relationship with him. 
He created us to be in that relationship with him. He wants that for us. And I would rather be wanted than needed any day. And God wants us. And so he wants us. He wants us to be on mission with him. He, he, he chooses to allow us to join him in his great mission. And that is awesome. So while Brother Fred was re- was recovering from his surgery, God just got on him about, we need to be about this at First Baptist Church. And, he, and God put in his heart this illustration of a spear. And we've just kind of been preaching along this illustration for some time, okay? So uh, just as a quick recap, here at First Baptist Church, we're rekindling God's vision for us to go and make disciples in our world, right? And there's on, on a spear, there's a There's a point. There's a point of the spear. And that point of the spear is reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The head of our spear, specifically, especially in our culture, we need to be paying specific instruction, particular attention to uh, families with children at home. What we know about our culture is that after the age of 21, the statistics say that people who accept Christ... It, it takes a nosedive. Maybe it's just the way we focus our ministries. Maybe it's just the way we do church in our culture. I don't know. Other parts of the world, it's not like that. But in our culture, it's like that. So we need to be putting an emphasis on that. Not to the exclusion of anyone else. We just understand what our culture is like. Okay? And so we want to be paying specific attention to that. But here is the head of the spear. Reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Then there's this shaft of the spear. And we've been talking about all that. The shaft is the thing that carries the spear. The uh, the head of the spear. The head of the spear is the business end of the spear. But it can't carry itself. Something has to carry that. And that's what we've been talking about at First Baptist Church. We've been talking about God, asking God, asking Holy Spirit to give us an awareness, uh, uh, an awareness of the lost folks in our community. An aware, just God, give us a, your eyes, give us your antenna so we can understand and see who the lost are. You know, oftentimes, oftentimes they're invisible to us. They're invisible to us for all sorts of reasons, culturally, economically, socially. They're invisible to us. And that is not godly. It's not scriptural. We've been asking Holy Spirit, please give us your eyes. Break our hearts for those who don't know you. And then we ask him to specifically give us names. Please, Lord, Holy Spirit, reveal to me who it is you want me to specifically go and share the gospel with we don't want to go ahead of you we're not ask, we're not just going to go and ask you to bless what we're doing no 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 we're asking you and the power of holy spirit to show us where to go and we want to know those names and we want to be praying for them and praying for opportunities we spent time we spent time talking about what the gospel is how to share it we put apps on our devices 
We talked about the importance of knowing our own stories, our own come to Jesus faith stories. Because people can argue with you about all kinds of stuff. They can argue with you about the validity of scripture. They can argue with you about all kinds of stuff. But no one can argue with you about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we, we were talking about the importance of that, knowing your story, writing it down, and being ready to share it. I share with you a little of my story that day. I hope you're continually working on those stories. I hope you're continually praying for those who God has laid on your heart, who the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart, that you're praying for opportunities to do that. We talked about this, a partnership with First Baptist Church and sharing the gospel and what we're, our, our commitment to never, ever have a sermon on a, any day where the gospel is not presented and an opportunity for people, uh, an opportunity is made for people to come to know Christ. And we talked about specific opportunities in our children's ministries, specific opportunities in our youth ministry and other ministries. We talked about that partnering. We talked about what fellowship was about. We, you know, the fellowship we do, the fellowships we plan here at First Baptist Church are not for your entertainment. They're strategic. Yes, they're fun they, and they are entertaining. But that is such a secondary and reason for having them it is it is they are opportunities for us to bring the lost that we've been loving on and praying for to a non-threatening place where they feel the warmth of the fellowship of the believers they smell the aroma of christ and it is attractive and they want to be a part of it that's what we're doing that's what this partnership is all about I'm not even going to talk about that bottom part. Because, boy, we get upset about that. <laughs> we get upset about that. I want to just, just point something out to you. That little bottom part, this schedule paradigm thing, about you know, when we start getting serious, when we're serious, look, when we, we have begun, the process has begun. Just in the process of preaching through this, We've had 20 baptisms at First Baptist Church. And more to come. Just talking about it. Just talk. It's as if it's what God wants us to do. Just talking about it. This is happening. People are coming to know Christ. The kingdom of God has been expanded. Our church is growing. And when that happens, we have to make room. We have to think creatively. Just a way to think creatively is what this is all about. This, is, this represents about 1% of what we've been talking about from here, from here, from this stage. But it represents about 99% about what everybody else is talking about. Not the gospel when we're going to have Sunday school. Not the gospel when we're going to have church. But that's where we are. Then there's this other little thing. I say little thing. It's a pretty big thing. It's the binding. It's the binding that holds the head of the spear to the shaft. What holds it there? 
It's moving from theory to action. Moving from theory to action. And that's what today's about. We're going to write today. We're going to have some group time today. So if you don't have a pen, something to write with, a pencil, um, uh, I'm sorry, your stylus won't work on the worship guide. If you don't have something like that, if you just raise your hand, our very handsome and talented Sonny Million back here has some, has some pens, and he will make sure you get Just hold those up. It will take maybe a second for him to get those pens out. Maybe you just start throwing them, and I'm just kidding. We're gonna have, you're going to have an opportunity to write, okay? More than just a word on the blank, we're going to have... We're going to give you an opportunity to make a plan of action today. Because this is what we're talking about. How to see your community. How to move. How to see your community the way God intended us to see our communities. And then move from theory to action about the gospel. That's what today is about. Okay? That's what today is about. I want to kind of begin, set the scene, if you will, with a parable Jesus told in Matthew. He told a parable of the talents, okay? He tells this, he tells this story. He said there's a rich man, a very wealthy man, goes away, and he leaves talents with his servants. He leaves one, five talents. He leaves one, two talents. He leaves one one talent, each according to his ability. Okay? Each according to his ability. Hey, that there's so much in this parable. We could, we could just get lost right here for a sermon series. Okay? And maybe we will one day. But anyway, uh, we, we can't get bogged down here, but I think this is important that you know. A talent was a measurement in New Testament time, okay? It's not talking about, to this he gave, to one man he gave five talents. He, he can really cook, he could sing, he could dance. That's not what it's talking about, okay? A talent was a measurement. There is some debate about what that measurement was. I'm going to take the middle of the road here, and it's, going to, it's really going to blow your mind. But one talent is believed to have been worth 10 years' salary. Some say it's up to 20. 10 years' salary. So what this man did when he left, is he left one guy 50 years' of salary, another guy 20 years' salary, another guy 10 years salary, each according to his ability. We're all in different places in our walk with Christ. Some are just getting started. Some have been walking a while. Some have been walking a good long while. Each according to his ability. And he says, manage this while I'm gone. All right? And you know, maybe you know the story. The guy who got five talents invested it and earned 10 and earned five more. He had 10. He had 100 years worth the salary. The guy who had two talents invested it and earned two more. He had went from 20 to 40 years of salary. The guy got one talent, buried it, put it in a jar or something and buried it. 
He was scared. And he buried it. Let's pick up the, the, the story in Matthew chapter 25, verse 24 through 30. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. We're gonna have the, we have the scripture here on the screen. Let's read that together real quick. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master. So the, the master came back and said, all right, it's time for an accounting. The one with the five talents said, I invested it. Now you've got 10. The one with the two talents said, I invested it. Now you've got four. And he, and he said to both of them, well done, my good and faithful servants. You have been faithful with little. Now you will be given much. And he says, to, then he calls this guy forward and he says, uh, master, I knew you'd be you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his masters answered him, "You wicked and slothful servant." Why do I say it like that? Because there's an exclamation point there. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and, and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him who, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will, be, will more be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a ton here. We can't do it. Not today. But let's just get this in your mind. The master was going away and he left with his servants that which was of incredible value. Each according to his ability. Not unfairly, but each according to his ability. Jesus, as he was ascending into heaven, left with his followers that which is of the uttermost importance and value. It is the gospel. More important than anything, more important than the air that I just breathed is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he left that with us, each according to his ability to share. And he's coming again, and there will be an accounting to, of what we have done with that. We must see our community that way. And if that was our heart, we wouldn't worry about when Sunday school was. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Let's first 
get an idea of what community is. Let's define community. Community is this. It's your neighborhood. It's your school. It's your work. It's where you hang out. It's the team you're a part of. It's the club you're a part of. It's your affinity group. It's your interest group. It's those places. That's your community. All right? So that's community. How then do we see our community? How then do we move from information to action? From theory to doing something, to practice? How do we move that? How do we see our community that way? First, 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 you got to learn who they are. Learn who they are. Look with me at at 1 Corinthians. Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church. This is a church that Paul went and uh, planted and started and trained, okay? And they were struggling. They were struggling with their culture. They were struggling with being a a, a church that was a kingdom-minded church. They were struggling. So if we're struggling with this stuff, we're in pretty good company. The church Paul started was struggling. So it's not a new thing to struggle. All right? Well, we we want to get past the struggle. We want to get past the struggle and see the kingdom grow. Amen? So Paul's writing uh, writing to this church in Corinth, and he says, look, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 23. Look at what he says. This is, this is the importance of getting to know your community. For uh, though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. He said, there's just only so far I'm going to go about being outside the law, that I might win those outside the law, those lawless people. Those scalawags, those thugs, he became as one of them, so they might win them to Christ. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, but that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel. That I may share with them in its blessings. I've become all things to all people. So that I might win some to Christ. And I do it for the sake of the gospel. Because I want those some to join me in sharing the blessings of being redeemed. That's what Paul's saying. you got to know them. How many of you ever think how you might serve your waitress as she's serving you. Do you ever stop to ask her name? 
It's a human being with hurts and struggles. The one who is behind the counter at whatever establishment. Is this a means to an end? Hurry up, give me my change. I got to go out here and do some ministry. person has a name and a mama and a daddy and maybe kids struggling trying to make ends meet how do you see your community you go you go to you got to get to know them paul is saying i didn't come i didn't become one of them <clears throat> i became as one of them. I got to know them. I didn't go out in the community and say, hey, come over here and act like me. Then Jesus will love you. Oftentimes, that's what our gospel sounds like. But that's not Jesus' gospel. We have to get out there and ask them about them. Let me get to know you. To, to a point. I mean, you don't hang... <laughs> You don't have to be addicted to drugs in order to witness to those who are addicted to drugs. You just don't have to judge them. Just don't judge them. They're already being judged enough. They need to know Jesus. Not one, but as one. Look past their labels and see a soul. Now, let's take a couple of minutes right here. A couple of minutes right here. In groups of two or three, five, right there. You've got a place under your notes to come up with a plan of action. Let me ask you right here. Let me ask you right here. What, this is the question to ask. What am, what are, what am I willing to do in order to learn who they are in my community. Ready? Go. All right. Here we go. Thought number two. Not only do you need to learn who they are, you've got to love them. You've got to love them. Learn who they are. Love them. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 7. Ben read this earlier. Oh, thank you, Ben. Wow. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. What is love? Love is patient and kind. 
Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And the first part of that next verse is love never ends. So how are we to love our community? Not by our definition of love, but God's definition of love. Love is patient. It's accepting, accepting delays, accepting problems, and suffering without annoyance or anxiety. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is good or benevolent in its disposition. Love does not envy. Envy is being, is being discontented or, resent, or having a resentful longing caused by someone else's possessions. Love doesn't have that. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't boast. Love doesn't talk with excessive pride or satisfaction about one's abilities, accomplishments, or possessions. That gets in the way of the gospel. Don't boast unless it's about Jesus. Love isn't arrogant. Arrogance is an exaggerated sense of one's abilities or importance. Love doesn't insist on its own way. It kind of explains itself, doesn't it? Love isn't irritable. It isn't easily annoyed or made angry. Love isn't resentful, feeling or expressing bitterness or indignation at having been treated unfairly. It's not love. Love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, anything illegal or dishonest. Love But rejoices with in truth, a fact or a belief that is accepted as true. Love bears all things. It seeks to correct and restore, not condemn and punish. Love seeks to correct and restore, not to condemn and to punish. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It's not cynical and suspicious. Love has confidence and it trusts. It hopes all things. Love doesn't believe human failure is final. But believes there's always hope in God. And love endures all things. This is a military term that's used in the scripture. And it means to hold at all costs. Love holds fast at any cost to those it loves. Refusing to give up bearing, believing, and hoping in redemption. You got to get to know your community. And then you got to love them. You got to love them. And it's work and it's hard and it's dirty. And you got to sit in the mud sometimes. So let me ask you in your little groups what are you willing to do 
circle the wagons. What are you willing to do to love your community? Go. You can probably fill this in. You got to lead them to Jesus. You got to lead them to Jesus. Look at Paul one more time to the church in Corinthians, uh, the church at Corinth. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 3 and 4. Look at this. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, that He was buried. And then he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. Of first importance, of first foremost importance, we need to learn who our community is and love them in order to lead them to Jesus. It's not enough. Look, listen. It's not enough to be nice to our community. It's nice to get recognition from the Georgia Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministry. It's nice to get recognition from the Union County School System. But it's not enough to be nice to our community. We have to point them to Jesus. So when we're asked to take part in anything in our community, at the top of the list as our motivation to do so is to point people to Jesus. Point people to Jesus. So in your group, last time, I promise. What are you willing to do after you learn who they are and love them? What are you willing to do to lead them to Jesus? What are you willing to do? While you're thinking about that, I want you to listen. We had a town hall meeting last Sunday night to talk about moving forward with this vision for our church. This rekindled vision to the Great Commission. And I want you to hear the words of a 95-year-old saint. I want you to hear these words. This is all about reaching people for Christ. And I'm, you know, I'm probably the oldest fellow around here. That's right, Adam. I'm just, I'm, I'm bragging, really, I guess you say. But uh, look, I'm even at my age, I'm willing to do anything. <laughs> if I could see one lost soul saved. I know what it is to go down to Atlanta on the skid row and talk to those people when I lived down in Marietta. And I know what it is to church. And I know what it is out there. There's nothing like seeing a poor lost soul come to really know Jesus Christ. And I would do anything if I could see anybody come to this altar and rise up a new person That's right. on his way to glory. Amen. Thank you very much. I love you all. Woo. 95-year-old said it twice. I would do anything. How do you see your community? Here's how we're going to respond today to invitation. First, 
If you're here today and you're seeking, you're seeking. Maybe you had not been to church in a long time and you're like, okay, I've tried a lot of things. I want to try church. Let me invite you to Jesus, to relationship with him. Not a bunch of rules, uh, not a club. I'm inviting you to Jesus. I'm inviting you to Jesus, a relationship with the creator of the universe, a relationship with the one who created you. I'm inviting you to Jesus. How do you do that? First, you admit. You admit that you're not perfect. You admit that there, you have made mistakes. The society calls them mistakes. We, the church calls it sin. The Bible calls it sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned, everyone, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Then the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. That sin that we've all cre- committed separates us from God and it, what it gets us is eternal, sep- that eternal separation, which is death. You admit that. Then you believe that Jesus is the answer to that sin problem. The Bible goes on to say, yes, the wages of sin of death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. You admit your sin problem and you just believe that Jesus is the answer to that sin problem. You don't have to, you don't have to be, know everything. You don't have to you know, pass a Bible quiz test. You don't, you don't have to, you just, and then you, and then you surrender your life. You give your life. You commit your life to Jesus. You say, this is it. All right, God, I admit that about myself. I admit what you know about me already. I believe what you say about yourself is true. And now I give you my life, such as it is. All of the brokenness that it is, all of the wrong, all of it, it's all yours. Take it and do with it like you will. Just take me and use me for your glory. If that's where you are today, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. Pray this prayer with me real quick. Lord, that's me. What that man on the stage has just said is me. I admit that about myself. I believe that about you. Will you please come into my life and take control? From now until forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. If you'd like to join a church today that is trying to commit to reaching its community, seeing its community that way, I invite you to come. I invite you to come. I can tell you what the process is. If God has convicted you today, uh, and you're a believer, and you're a follower of Christ, and you're here, and God has convicted you, you need prayer. You know, I, you know, I need to, I need to start seeing my community differently. I need to start loving my community. I need to, 
excuse me. I, 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 need, I need to start leading them to Christ. If that's you and you need prayer, you come forward. Let me tell you, church, we can't love. We can't see our community the way we need to see it. We can't love them the way we need to love them and lead them to Christ the way we need to lead them to Christ until we do all those things with each other first. Maybe there's relationships in this church that need to be reconciled. You come and you pray. I'm going to be here for you. You come. Let's stand. And that's worship this great God.